a research report put out by ARK Invest on how Bitcoin will increase from $20,000 currently USD to potentially $1.4 million by 2030. So yeah, that's massive, man. Can you imagine? Welcome back to another episode of The Ben and Berg Show. In person today, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, flown over unwillingly to Perth to meet Bergs. Unwillingly? Come on, son. <laughs> you know it's the best place on the planet. You couldn't wait to get here, mate. Five-hour flight. Direct flight from Launceston, man. See, that's how quickly you wanted to get here. You went a direct flight. Didn't want to go through Melbourne. You're like, how do I get to Perth oh, in the goodness. shortest time possible? Because it's the best place on the planet. So they only had one flight you know, per week that goes from Launceston. And there's nobody on it. Because who the fuck wants to go to Perth? No, because there's only four people that live in Launceston, mate. (laughs) Seriously. And that's the thing. Everyone wants to come to Perth. There's no flights going back, mate. You've got to go through Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, long story short, uh, today we are doing our our podcast in person, which we're super pumped about. And we're kicking off today, first one, with a research report put out by ARK Invest on how Bitcoin will increase from $20,000 currently USD to potentially 1.4 million by 2030. So yeah, that's massive, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> that's huge. So people holding Bitcoin at the moment, imagine you got one, you got 20K USD, well, 23K. So it's about 30 something thousand Australian. Imagine that just going to 1.4 million USD, <laughs> which would probably be close to 2 million Australian. That is crazy. And that's in seven years time. Yeah, that's not too far away. Now, ARK Invest, uh, they, by... You know, I don't know too much about these guys, but it's run by Kathy Wood. She's an OG um, crypto, uh, you know, investor, and I think they're are they a VC fund or a hedge fund? Uh, they're a research firm of some description, but they don't just do Bitcoin. They do a lot of different other industries. Bitcoin's probably one of their main ones, and they put out this 153 page report. Uh, now, not all of this is Bitcoin, but as we've sort of gone through it, what they're basically outlining here is the potential growth opportunity for Bitcoin, and, and one of the most fascinating things that they've put in here is the Bitcoin use cases. Because I think a lot of people don't realize the potential growth for Bitcoin and what it could actually do. Now, what they've done is they've split this between a bear case, a base case, and a bull case. So the bull case is a $1.48 million Bitcoin by 2030. The base case, so what they're saying is kind of the average, is what they're thinking is $682,000 Bitcoin by 2030. Wow. And the bear case is still a quarter of a million dollar Bitcoin bergs. That's still about a 10x from here. So they reckon the worst it's going to be. <laughs> the worst case scenario is a 10x. It's 258. <laughs> and if we look through these, the bear case is $258,000 per Bitcoin. That's a CAGR of 40%. So CAGR is compound annual growth rate. That means between now and 2030, so over the seven years, each year it goes up by 40% year on year. For the base case, it's 60% CAGR, and the bull case is 75% CAGR, which is just insane. Insane. Now, they've listed out uh, eight different Bitcoin use cases here, and we're going to go through each one here because I think this is really fascinating for listeners at home that may not realize, I guess, the other areas that Bitcoin's trying to to penetrate in. So obviously, the, the most obvious one for me is the digital gold. Yep. And what they've done here is they've outlined the total addressable market of digital gold is the gold market cap. Now, what ARK Invest is saying Let's just look on the base case, Bergs, because like, you know, we get pretty excited about the bull, but let's look at the base case. They think in seven years' time that Bitcoin could penetrate 40% of the total market of gold. Which is wild. That's massive. So the market cap of gold, to keep it easy, let's call it $10 trillion. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. So it's going to be $4 trillion. At the moment, it's about $440 billion, So that's a 10x from here. And like, if we think about... I think the digital gold space, and out of all the Bitcoin use cases here, Bitcoin 
uh, sorry, the digital gold has the biggest penetration rate that they are assuming for for Bitcoin. You know, we think about digital gold. Like, let's say you have a few million bucks of gold. You can't take that anywhere. That's yeah. sitting in a that's sitting in a vault, either at your place or a, or some sort of gold vault in the city or somewhere that you got to lock it up. You can't take it. You can't throw it in your bag. You can't you know send it overseas. You can't cut it up. It's fucking hard. You can, you can try, but good luck to you. Yeah, good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin has all the use cases where you can you can split it up. It's it's decentralized. It's digital. Uh, it's borderless, and you don't have to lug around this massive like you know. Imagine how much how heavy is two million bucks of gold, mate. <laughs> Seriously, even like one gold bar. You know how they got the challenge where you have to get it out yeah. with one hand. Yeah, it's it's just not an asset that you can carry around. No. It is it is absolutely crazy. And in today's digital world, gold is making less and less sense. Yeah, it is. It is, and obviously, like the, it's very similar in a sense of it's a limited supply asset. Uh, it's scarce, and you can use gold for a lot of different you know fancy items, jewelry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, but you know, for, for me. You know, digitization and holding that same amount of you know physical gold on a USB stick, more for, or even the brain wallet, just holding that seed phrase in your head, traveling yeah. anywhere, and then opening that wallet and being able to transfer it. What I really like about Bitcoin is like the creators are like it's peer to peer digital cash, and the market's like, no, you're digital gold. <laughs> the market has spoken. Yeah, exactly. Now heading to the next use case for Bitcoin here, and I'm trying to think about what I think is the next most likely or the biggest. Uh, sort of use case. It's potentially that seizure-resistant um, seizure asset. So this is a totally addressable market of the global high net wealth, uh, basically market, individual yep. market. So if we think about individuals that have an absolute crap load of money, like in the tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, as as we say on the podcast all the time, you know, one of the hardest things is to just to grow your capital. Then the next hardest thing is to keep your capital. Yeah. And especially if you've got that amount of money, you're you're looking at different diversification strategies to to make sure you keep that those assets. And a big problem for some of these guys is literally the idea that it could be seized. You know, especially if you know you maybe overseas or if you're in a government or you know in a location where the government can do some pretty nasty things with your with your money and in holding hundreds of millions of dollars of cash in a bank yeah. is pretty scary. Exactly. One day they could just say, hey, your money's not there because you've got an intermediary you're trusting someone else. Or if you've got a lot of money in property and they change the property rules or for some reason you have to get out of the country and go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, you will want a certain percentage of that to be in a seizure resistant asset. So if you've got 100 million bucks, you want at least a few million to start over. You would put it in something like gold or Bitcoin. And if you really have to get out of Dodge, you want Bitcoin because it's easier just to get on a plane and go. Exactly. We saw this in Canada recently where they had the the protests of the truckers. truckers. And the government said, righto, we're just going to cut their access to their money. And they just shut down their their bank accounts. You couldn't get access. Such a scary thought. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine how scary that is. So... Anyway, they're, they're basically looking here is the penetration rate on the seizure-resistant asset is around 3% of the total global high net wealth individual wealth. Can you imagine 3% of the entire high net wealth of individuals' wealth in Bitcoin? That's insane. I actually think it could be more if you think about it. And if we just took look at this, that is a huge amount of money. It's a shitload <laughs> amount of money. Like, isn't there like $4 trillion just in global markets? So, no, no, $4 quadrillion. In global markets. It's insane. And then the majority of people, like 1%, will own 99% of that. And where do they have that money right now? Exactly. You'd be Across in heaps of assets, businesses, bonds, derivatives. Yeah. yeah, bonds, cash, real yeah. estate. 
all this boring shit. Why wouldn't you just buy a bit of Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, when you get to that stage, it's not about wealth generation. It's about wealth protection. Mm. So you're thinking, how can I protect these dollars? How can I have it for my kids in perpetuity? How do I diversify across these assets so I have the biggest chance of success? No matter what's happening in all these different markets, I can still win. Yeah, so you're totally. going to look to new asset classes like Bitcoin. Okay, number three, institutional investment. So the total addressable market here is the institutional asset base. And we've seen this with the likes of, you know, MicroStrategy, Tesla, uh, Block. There's a lot of these institutional companies that are already putting their capital in uh, in, in Bitcoin. And again, it's, a, it's, you know, whatever that might be, if you've got a massive balance sheet of a heap of cash, you, you know, you're... If, if we think like the cost of living is going up and the the purchasing power of your cash for everyday people is going down, you can imagine these massive corporations that have tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of cash, they're losing money every day in terms of yep. purchasing power. This so, is this yeah. is something Michael Saylor bangs on about. And if we combine this with the corporate treasury, so it's a target addressable market of cash and cash equivalents. So think about this. You're a company, you're doing well, you've got to Let's look at Apple, you know, trillion, billions and trillions on your bloody balance sheet. <laughs> what are you going to do with all that money? Year on year, you are losing money. So you can do a couple of things. You can either invest back in your business or you can invest in other businesses and acquire them. Or you can do financing activities, which will be um, investing in companies, buying Bitcoin, whatever it may be. And people are starting to understand that you can't just hold all of your money in one asset class. You need to di diversify. That's a very kind of, you know, sage and old rule but now where they're bringing the newer assets like bitcoin because even as a smaller percentage to hedge against all of those other ones because the, the current thing if you think about monetary and fiscal policy is you raise interest rates great but it's a very blunt instrument it affects everyone across the economy great things go up your money gets inflated away the customers you have le have less discretionary spending mm. so you can't rake in more dollars how do you hedge against that and still survive as a company yeah it's 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 like it's just leveraged you know it's leveraged compared to the individual with a massive uh, business so you know that's what we see what how much bitcoin is micro strategy own now it must be a ridiculous amount. It keeps buying. It just yeah, it's like that's the thing. Like Michael Saylor will get Ultimate on and go. Ball. You can only be known for one thing, and that one thing is buying Bitcoin for him, right? <laughs> you're literally buying. He describes it as an L four, yeah. right? So you're all the way down the stack, and you're buying a company that's predominantly Bitcoin, but you can't get the Bitcoin out. <laughs> fascinating. So anyway, that's uh, that's number three. The the next one I'll, I'll talk about I think is the cash and equivalencebergs, and this is a uh, this uh, is a corporate treasury. This yeah. Is, yeah. So this is like. If we think about, you know, back to what we just spoke about, the amount of cash that's, you know, floating around in, in, in the system looking for a home, especially when you've got, you know, uh, rising inflation rates, rising interest rates, you know, you, you want to have that cash in a, in a hard asset. I think that Bitcoin makes a lot of sense. I think the thing that's probably stopping that right now is just from a regulation standpoint, a lot of, especially in the US, all those corporations aren't ready to invest into Bitcoin because they're, they're worried about what the government can do to it. You know, yeah. like there isn't enough clarity in the market in terms of, you know, if you're going to be risking tens, hundreds of millions of dollars, you want to make sure, you're damn sure that you know that it's going to be safe wherever yeah. you're investing that. And I think that's what's restricting that at the moment, but that's a massive space as well. And think about this. If you're a CFO of a company, you have to look after all the cash, the financing, investing activities. And you know, Bitcoin's a thing and you've looked at the returns, but imagine going from a traditional person to then understanding Bitcoin how it works, what the risks are, mm. how to get it into your company, how to get it out of your company, how to manage it, how to explain that to your board that it's yeah. a good thing and convince them. So a good example of this is the Perth Heat, the baseball team. Yeah. Now, they're relatively small, but they went full Bitcoin. 
and they actually got on an episode with Pomp and explained it, which was just, so cool. it, it was a cracking episode yeah. about oh, a year ago, a long time ago, and in crypto. And they basically said, look, we're plugging into the Bitcoin network. As soon as we do that, we've got people like you, Pomp, working for us. You're promoting it. Everything they do, they pay in Bitcoin. Their whole treasury is in Bitcoin. Uh, they're now the Bitcoin heat. It was just, it's, it's incredible for them to go to that length and adopt that and plug into the network. That's the kind of extreme version of it. But he was explaining how he had to, everyone thought he was mental. <laughs> Flat out, right? Yeah. Had to explain to not only his internal team, his finance guys, but then explain it to the board. And he said it took over a year for them to actually get it and him just banging that drum <laughs> constantly. And now they've gone full Bitcoin. It'll be interesting to see how they've actually gone, their treasury holdings. You can look at it on chain, which is really interesting. But that's a really good example of the benefits you can get you from make, plugging into, into Bitcoin and holding your treasury in there. You make a good point, though, like the the idea of when you have these massive businesses and you need to make a group decision and you're the innovator, you're the person with that you know niche information that everyone doesn't necessarily believe or, or, or understand. It's so hard to convince everyone. I remember when I was running my, not, not in Bitcoin, but I was running my sportswear business before Collective Shift and trying to go in and convince a board of, basically parents of sporting organizations to buy your uniforms like it's it's difficult because you know there's a misinformation no one's in alignment there's budgets there's you know there's different strategies people have different thoughts like and you think about that on a massive global scale and talking hundreds of millions of dollars and these large listed companies for a decision like that you may have to go to your shareholders yeah and think about this so these shareholders (laughs) who are the shareholders of the big companies Big funds, mums and dads, super companies. Yeah. Convincing them to put a percentage of the money that is theirs because they're a shareholder into Bitcoin where they're <laughs> like, isn't that a scam? Isn't that yeah, what drug dealers oh use? God, yeah. And then getting a vote and then potentially putting yourself as ri- at risk as yeah. an executive and having a vote of no confidence or getting voted because year on year they vote for the executives, voting them out or voting the directors out. Um, putting a lot on the line. Mate, that's it. You have to be very, very confident. And if you're a company that's huge with a lot of money, why would you do that? Yeah. But when your competitors start to move and they start doing it and you see the gains they have, it forces your hand. It's a similar thing with that we're seeing with AI. Everyone's like, pa, it's a flash in the pan. Don't worry yeah. about it. You see companies start to use it and you're like, actually, they're getting a lot of gains. We need to move as well because we're losing our competitive advantage and we're falling behind. Yeah. No one ever wants to be first. No one wants to be last. That's it, mate. <laughs> that's it. And, and I think, um, yeah, it's just a massive opportunity. But the, the problem is, I think, too, like even going down and looking at like, well, how do you store Bitcoin? How do you store tens of millions of dollars of Bitcoin? Who does that? Oh, what are the risks involved? It makes me nervous just thinking about it, you know? Imagine being that guy. Like, oh, <laughs> that my guy. oh, my God. The one that's got me excited here is national state treasuries, so global treasury reserves. So the bear case was 0%, base is 1%, bull is 5%. So these are kind of... Let's, let's just look at it. They says state, uh, nation states. Let's just say countries. Keep it easy. No one knows what a nation state is. And <laughs> <laughs> weird definition. And think about this. Australia, at the moment, we keep you know a lot of our money in cash. We have bonds. We do some kind of financing as well. And we hold overseas currencies as well. That's kind of like the basket of goods that we have to manage our capital. It's so interesting to think that countries are going to hold Bitcoin now. And we see the companies without other countries without um, stable currencies mm. doing that already. Things mm. like El Salvador. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, do they start holding physical assets as well, like real estate? Do they start mm. holding a bit of gold? They may already. Mm. Um, and then holding Bitcoin. Like, Imagine a country 
holding some Bitcoin. It's a massive opportunity, man. I think this is what a lot of people don't really understand. Like people think about Bitcoin as just this this thing that does payments and you know whatever. But it's like if you think about the existing financial system, and even another one on here is the uh, global remittance volume. I mean, God, yeah. the technology that they're using now to do this is so archaic. Like it hasn't been updated Mate. in years and years and years and years. I, I, I remember the story I told you about my brother when I sent him, you know, a thousand bucks and it got lost. It took ninety days for them to find it. Jeez. <laughs> so I did. I did a transfer yesterday. It was a Sunday, and it was it was five grand. It was five one thousand mm-hmm. dollar deposits mm-hmm. um, to a crypto exchange. I wanted yeah. to buy some crypto, um, and it didn't go through. And then I got a call from the bank, and you just popped into my head where mm-hmm. you know how they just cancelled everything on yeah. Combank. And I was yeah. like, oh god. But it was the loveliest lady, and she was like, oh, hi, how are you going? You know, I just need to, um, if you're not comfortable giving me KYC, you can call the bank. But I saw it was a bank number anyway, so talk to her. And she goes, oh, I've just seen these five things go across. I'm like, yeah, they'll mine. She goes, oh, did you send it to like Binance or something like that? And I'm like, yep. And she's like, oh, did you like click on a link or did someone send you something? She was just so nice about yeah. it. And I'm like, look, I absolutely sent it. They gave me, even um, the exchange I use, they gave me my own pay ID and it pops up as my name within my yeah, bank nice. account, which is really good and really yeah. safe. Send it across and I'm like, look, I work in crypto education. It's all good. I definitely need to go, oh, that's really good to know. <laughs> and it's like, because so many people get scammed just yeah. sending that across. But my point here is just trying to get into Bitcoin and then trying to send that to someone else or overseas is a nightmare. Yeah. Imagine doing it like bank to another bank it's at least oh, two yeah. plus two settlement plus all the fees and then sending it across. We wouldn't be able to utilize a lot of the contractors we have today if we had to pay them in that way. It's such a pain. And, and I think the reason these banks are having to crack down on this is because I think so many people are stuffing it up. They're getting scammed. And it's, it's a real obviously, it's, sorry, it's a real obvious thing that so many people are getting trapped into these you know, Bitcoin scams or crypto scams. And now the banks are probably getting influx with like customer support and needing their money back because yeah. everyone's getting done. So they're having to do all these you know, extra checks. Even I was running one of our collective shift uh, onboarding, one-on-one onboarding services uh, on the weekend uh, with one of our clients. And, you know, CoinSpot now have a onboarding call you've got to have. So like we were buying, we're buying, a, you know, we're ba- basically buying a Bitcoin. We're buying, you know, 20, yeah. 30K of, of crypto. And we bought, we bought, we bought on the exchange and we're moving it to cold storage, but yeah. uh, it, it got stuck. You had, and, we, we, we sent it to, we obviously did a normal testing transaction, sent a little bit, awesome, it arrived, went to send the full Bitcoin, and it was stopped, and they had to do a phone call onboarding. CoinSpot guy calls up and goes through all the questions. Yeah. Do you know what you're doing? Where are you sending it? You know, basically going through the bank checklist. Wow. And he, he was nice about it, and I feel as though, like, my initial reaction was like, for fuck's sake, like, why do we have to go through this? But then as I sort of listened to these questions, I'm like, okay, this is... This is obviously in response to yeah. a crap load of people getting stung by scams and doing the wrong thing. Think about this. That's a very um, resource-intensive exercise that doesn't scale. Mm-hmm. They're doing it for a reason. And the reason is because on the back end, they have to unpick all the scams. Yeah, yeah. And even with my bank, I actually wanted to send 6500 and I could only send five. If I wanted to send 6500 it's one to three business days. Oh, my God. Oh, the so, withdrawal limits? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I could only send five grand for Osco. Yeah. Send that through. And first of all, I was sending it through an account, and I went to that account. It doesn't exist for some reason anymore. Right. And I only set it up two months ago. Amazing. So I had to use another one. Cheers, bank. <laughs> Cheers, bank. <laughs> sign, sign a statutory declaration for my account. Amazing. Goodness me. Although we bag out banks, they are really good facilitators. They do keep you quite safe. 
But honestly, the experience in crypto is good. Once you know what you're doing, what you've you had some experience, it is quite harrowing if you don't have that. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the wheels are off and you're by yourself. Yeah, right? man. You're literally meeting someone in a car park and like giving them gold and hoping they give you cash. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but there's a couple other ones here which we won't touch on because there's a couple of things I want to want to get into before we wrap this up. So the other other Bitcoin use cases are the emerging market currency, nation state treasury, uh, we spoke about corporate treasury and the economic settlement network. If you want to have a look at this report, you can head over to ARK Invest. We'll drop the link in the in the show notes. But the other thing I wanted to talk about, Bergs, was some of the fundamentals of Bitcoin and how they have improved year over year. So if you look at some of the Bitcoin metrics, uh, you know, whether it be lightning network capacity, long-term holder supply, Bitcoin addresses with non-zero balances, these are all really, really increasing at a rapid rate. So for example, the long-term holder supply over the last four years, starting in 2017, has gone from 51% of the long-term holders you know, holding Bitcoin, 51% to 67 to 66 to now 71% of the total Bitcoin supply is held by long-term holders. Huge. Bitcoin addresses with non-zero balance. So this is the, the number of million Bitcoin addresses with more than zero Bitcoins. So basically, mm. it's some, you know, addresses with money in it. Over the last four or five years, it's gone from 24 to now 43.5 million addresses, all-time high, 11 million more unique addresses than this time two years ago have more than um, zero Bitcoin. So the, the network adoption, the amount of people that are, are buying Bitcoin continues to go up. And that, that can also be... Um people using Bitcoin in the right way, mm -hmm. where instead of always sending it to one address, you can send um, a key to people and they can generate your addresses. So each time they send it to a different address, but it's still yours. Yes, yeah. Which is super exciting to see. The other one, which is really cool, which is the supply of Bitcoin last moved more than a year ago. So this is the amount of Bitcoin that hasn't been moved in more than a year on addresses. 66% of the total supply of Bitcoin has not moved in over a year. That's up from 61% two years ago, up from 50%. Four years ago and up from 44% uh, five years ago. So this is an extreme increase of people that are buying and holding, not moving it, and using uh, Bitcoin for, for long-term store of wealth. This is really exciting. Absolutely. Like the market has spoken, it's digital gold. And you talk to quite a few business owners and people with a lot of money. When they want to get into Bitcoin, what are their kind of views around it? What do they want to do with it? Why do they want to get in and, and what do they want to do? It's moved much more towards a store of wealth. They want to be there for the potential upside. The asymmetric upside is massive where the downside isn't that much. Like you put in you know, no more than you're willing to lose. And the potential upside, if we're looking at some of these research pieces, like is insane. You know, the bet here that you're at $20,000 Bitcoin and we're saying that potentially on a bearish case, it's going to 258000 why the hell not? would you not want to you know, get involved? <laughs> Don't you think it's wild where they put out a report and they go, the worst case scenario we can see is a 10x in 10X. seven years? Man, that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to sell my kidney, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's fascinating because I think like you mentioned, or your question, Bergs, is people are now thinking a lot more strategically about this. Yeah. I think people are looking at Bitcoin and Ethereum as far more blue chips. And we're seeing the use cases for Bitcoin specifically is far more detailed and in-depth than people probably realize on the surface. Absolutely. And the use cases are increasing day by day. People are building on it. Uh, they're, even the um, Lightning Network, leaps and bounds, it's just going to keep increasing. I can't even imagine what Bitcoin is going to be used for in 2030. Who knows? That's really exciting to think about. <laughs> the last thing I just want to mention here is around the institutions and how they're committing to Bitcoin even during a bear market. So we've got four entities here that are massive entities in the global space of, of not crypto and now coming to crypto. So BlackRock, 
uh, in June 22, BlackRock partnered with Coinbase Prime to provide all their institutional clients direct access to crypto, starting with Bitcoin. They're now connecting Coinbase Prime and BlackRock's uh, Aladdin. What we think what this is going to do is could usher in trillions of dollars in the asset class in the coming year. So BlackRock is a massive uh, you know, investment management firm over in the US, and they have a shitload of institutional clients and now have direct access to crypto. Aren't they taking over the world? They have like 10% of the world's wealth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, man. The next one, which I'm even more excited about, is Fidelity. So one of my advisors, uh, one of our advisors in the US, his, his name's Steve, he banks with Fidelity. And he logged in the other day. This was in November last year. They have now officially launched retail Bitcoin Bitcoin and ETH trading inside the platform, and you can custody them inside the platform. So within his banking system, this guy's a big baller, you can now buy crypto with inside his banking platform. That is so good. That just removes all the barriers. Like Commonwealth Bank, they spent a lot of uh, time and effort doing that, but then they kind of softed out towards the end because it was all too hard. I think they ran a trial, and I'm pretty sure they ran into all the things we talked about before. <laughs> and they're like, this is too much of a headache for yeah. the predicted money and benefits we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, and also they would have weighed up like, you know, how much they would increase shareholder value, what yeah. it would actually say about them as a company. And they're like, mm, time's probably not now. And, and the market is a lot different in the US to Australia, right? We're talking 400 million in the US people, 22 yeah. million here in Australia, different, I, I guess, different setups. There's a lot more money and capital in the US. Oh, yeah. A lot more high, high net worth people. And I think Coinbase, uh, sorry, uh, Combank sort of pulled out, but this is massive, man. Uh, the, the next one, which quickly, BNY Mellon. So BNY Mellon, touches more than 20% of the world's investable assets, Jeez. launched a crypto asset custody platform to safeguard assets for their institutional investors. So BNY Mellon could use Bitcoin to scale financial services cost-effectively. <laughs> could you imagine that? 20% of the world's investable assets. What? That is huge. That is crazy. So <laughs> hang on, hang on. If we've got four quadrillion, that's like... Nearly, geez, nearly quadrillion. Yeah, 800 trillion. <laughs> $800 trillion. That's a little bit of coin, mate. That is huge. Could you imagine one of these companies? Because they're always looking for, how do we get more money? How do we beat our competitors? This might be the answer for them to get that competitive advantage. Yeah. That's incredible. And the last one I want to mention here is the Eagle Brook Advisors. So Eagle Brook Advisors and ARK Investment Management, which is the research paper we're reading here, partnered to offer financial advisors globally access to actively managed crypto strategies, including direct crypto asset ownership, low minimums and portfolio reporting integration. So if you think about when people want to get into crypto, they and especially those people with money, they have a financial advisor. Yeah. And a lot of financial advisors, especially here in Australia, aren't clued up or you know educated about this space. Yeah. With Eagle Brook advisors over in the States, people come to their financial advisors and now they're actively trained and can help them with their strategies to get involved with crypto. That is so good. We're starting to see a couple of companies actually reach out to us to yeah. train their advisors, get them up to speed, yeah. accountants and finance people yeah. as well. It's really exciting to see. Yeah, it's really coming here and it's exciting. The Collective Shift is really in the conversation around like helping, whether it be tax accountants, financial advisors, universities are reaching out. You know, we've got schools. There's so much that's happening that we can help educate and help people on board. It's a super exciting space. Mate, I was... I love this. Read the report. It is amazing. Just look at the graphs. I saw this tweet on the weekend and I just got super excited. <laughs> I was hungover as hell after a bucks and um, we got, I got very, very dehydrated and I saw this and it just perked me right you up, just mate. Bought, bought more Bitcoin. <laughs> mate, I had to, mate. Like, <laughs> I've, been, I've been a bit soft with like accumulating. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, nah, it's time to put the foot down. I'm like, this is all I needed, just that little push over the edge. Amazing, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you want to learn more about this research report, we'll drop it in the show notes. But as I said, Berg's had a bearish case, $260,000 Bitcoin by 2030, $682,000 in the base case, and $1.48 the bull case. 
Incredible. Get amongst it. Time to buy my Bitcoin team. <laughs> That's it, mate. <laughs> Sell those kidneys. Sell those kidneys. <laughs> Thanks once again for listening, everyone. If you like these episodes, we'd love for you to leave a rate and review on the, uh, the podcast uh, platform that you're on. And if you want to uh, send us in a question or have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you at Ben Simpson AU on Twitter and at Babybackberg. And we'll see you next time. See you, champions.